The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your monthly audio source for all things world wondering stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network i'm your host rob good name joined as ever by the stardom mark himself chris o'brien chris how you doing buddy i'm, I'm scared scarred scared or scared scared why are you scarred I watched Star Wars episode one and two in the same day. I mean, you only have yourself to blame, really, for that. Star Wars episode one will always have that nostalgic place in my heart, even though it is the, it's just a dog shit film. It will always have that place in my heart because it was the first one I saw at the cinemas. Clone, what, Attack of the Clones is fucking shit across the board. It is, but I'm compulsive. So if I now don't watch every theatrically released Star Wars movie... I will feel a little bit incomplete inside. But haven't you already seen them all? Yes, but like I'm watching them in order over the course of a week. But and I, I will stress this again. This is very very important. You have already seen them all. Yes. So hey, we're, we're out the bad part though. Like there's only there's episode three, which I like, and then Clone Wars, which I've only seen once and don't remember anything about. And then we're into the good shit, like episode seven, I think it's great. Episode eight, it's contentious, but I love it. Rogue One, we can all agree, great film. Yeah, very good film. Um, I disagree with you about The Last Jedi, but that's a personal point. Um, and then Rise of the Skywalker is certainly our film. <laughs> I'm not, like, because I haven't seen like the three sequel in order. Like I've watched like the original trilogy in order. Everyone's done that, and if you haven't done that, do that. But I haven't watched like them in order in close proximity, so I'm interested to see how I feel when I'm not watching these movies literally years apart. No, it will be interesting to watch these films without obviously the year or two years where you forget everything that happened. I mean, yeah. let's face it, Rise of Skywalker, 
does try and forget everything that happened in The Last Jedi because it retcons absolutely fucking everything that happens. And then, um, also, like, I think when you see it in the cinema, you get that bit of... Like, especially with um, Force Awakens, that's the first Star Wars film I ever saw in cinema, and, like, just hearing the opening happen, and it's like, oh, my God. It is one of those things that nostalgia will just kick in. It's like the Jurassic Park theme. You, it dares you to be excited to see a new film, even though you know it's going to be crap and nowhere near as good as the originals. It happens. You get the Jurassic Park theme and you're like, oh! Um, I've only seen Jurassic World, so... <laughs> the rage I feel inside. If, it was, if I was near you right now, well, I would deliver a Konami kick straight to your fucking ribcage for that. My ex forced me to watch it one day. No, it's it's not that you've only seen World. It's the fact that you haven't seen the original three and that your barometer of everything Jurassic Park includes Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt. But he's no Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Sam Neill, sorry. Oh my God, they're the same fucking actor. They look the same. He's no Sam Neill. I don't know who most people are. I'm going to have to Google that it is actually Sam Neill in Jurassic Park because I've got a horrible feeling that I'm wrong and I don't want to be wrong. No, well, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 1993 Jurassic Park, Sam Neill. Anyway, we have gone on a slight tangent. Let's bring it screeching back to stardom. So, first things first, guys, you will notice by the title of this podcast that we are reviewing the first live stardom show since the Cinderella tournament, and we'll get into that very, very shortly. But for those who follow the podcast, um, will know that we were supposed to release a Jungle Kiona retrospective um, going back over her feud with Momo Watanabe and Queen's Quest. Unfortunately, we've had to put that back. Uh, two reasons, really. The first, obviously, Stardom announced that they will be producing live content again. So, you know, the main focus of this podcast will always be, you know, the live product, the new product, the present product. Um, it's And secondly, some of the matches that we wanted to watch as context haven't been uploaded to World yet and are very, very difficult to find. So we're going to wait for those to be uploaded to Stardom World, and then once they are, we can release the Jungle Kiona episode. We haven't forgotten about it. It is happening. We're just going to shelve it for now. Chris, anything to add to that? I miss Jungle. I miss Jungle. I miss, and after, oh, I'm not going to lie, I'm... part of today or part of the show, should I say, really did bring a tear to my eye. I, I realized watching the show that, like, both my favorites are going to be around at least for a while. So I need to find the yeah. new stardom, which I'm deciding based on what happened on this show. Okay, well, speaking of this show, let's uh, let's dive straight in. So stardom is again from the 21st of June from Shinkiba First Ring, drawing 100 people. Obviously, stardom are more than capable of drawing more people than that, but they announced that they would only be releasing a certain amount of tickets, obviously due to the COVID-19 restrictions, which is absolutely fair. And even with 100 people, Chris, the atmosphere was absolutely fine. I didn't feel the show suffered for that at all. Yeah, we've already had a... Um, well not, it wasn't social distance. We've already had a limited capacity. Hurricane and my work fine, apart from when Julia cuts a promo. That's just what happens when Julia cuts a promo. So. <laughs> um, we started then. Um, with the unit promos and we went through because um, it was announced that Stardom is again was very similar to New Year Dash in New Japan was going to be 
the card was going to be announced right at the start of the show and even the talent didn't know what the matches were going to be. We went round all of the factions uh, just to get a little bit of an update from them. A couple of notes from this then. Uh, we get the first glimpse of X, the new member of Donna Del Mondo, and we'll talk about her later on. We'll talk about her in the main event. I will just say, Chris, before I move on to the other factions, they really are positioning Donna Del Mondo as the main faction, the dominant faction, the main focus in stardom at the moment. They certainly feel huge. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, I think Julia was like a big snipe for them. Like from people, She seems to be popular before she even got to stardom. Like in the Joshi world, it's like he cancelled me, Hara jumped to um, New Japan, kind of. All Japan. If he jumped to New Japan. Oh, if he if he jumped, I thought you said the Kento Miyahara jump. I apologize. Carry yeah. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. Siori is also a great guest. She's great. I've actually seen a couple more of the non-starter matches now, and I'm looking forward to seeing once you get single programs. And like, Micah is like a good rookie to have in there. So yeah, like it's a good step faction, and I can see why they're pushing them to the stars. But also like. They need to. They've been repositioned into this under the chaotic neutral role that TCS kind of filled because TCS are gonna be on the back burner since for obvious reasons. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, like I, I can see that right now is what I'm saying. Well, don't forget though that yeah, okay, I can see what you mean about the chaotic normal for for Dar Del Mondo. I think in the main event you can see that they are they're sort of aligning themselves as de facto heels you know behind Oida tie um you know going for the mask and things like that they they felt imperious they felt huge and julia who you know anyone who's listened to this podcast will know i certainly wasn't very hot on i know chris still isn't i'm coming round to her now she felt like a big deal in that main event um and here the entire unit felt Really, really big. Um, a couple more notes then. Oida Tai, it was just the three of them. Um, Zaki Kashima, Natsukatora, and uh, Natsu Samir. And they just moaned that there wasn't any chairs and then walked off, which is <laughs> fucking brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Samir just looked round and went, why are there no chairs? And Tora yeah. just walked off. You know, it's reminds me of, do you remember in last year's G1 where after every match when Jay White would go back for a post-match interview, um, there wouldn't be a chair and he'd be shouting about the lack of chair? And then the one time a young boy got him a chair, he didn't sit in the chair. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we then cut round to Tokyo Cyber Squads, um, led by Konami. Um, there's no Jungle Kiona, um, and we'll find out why, obviously, later on. She's with um, Ruaka and Rina. Uh, sorry, Death and Rina. Um, and they just ask if Hannah's watching and say they're going to try their best. Um you know, again, our thoughts go out to everyone in Stardom regarding Hannah's death and her unit because it, it must be awful for, you know, for Jungle Konami death through Akarina, those people that knew her best. It must be horrendous, especially going back into the ring. Um, and we saw so many touching tributes throughout this show. It, it it must be horrendous for these people. Yeah. Um, We then cut to Stars, um, who they make lied to the fact that obviously they're a couple of members down, uh, one out through injury and um, obviously 
Arissa being injured. They then just jump out of shot, shouting, check it out, which, you know, okay. It seems whenever they do promos together that Tam Nakano is more the spokesperson than Mayu, even though Mayu is the de facto leader. Yeah. Um, yeah, her or Starlight. Starlight sometimes seems to take control. Yeah, no, she did. And I am actually going to say later on, again, talking about the main event later on the show, um, Starlight Kid has come on exponentially, both, you know, confidence-wise and in-ring, in my opinion. Um, I think she's come on leaps and bounds. Um, this was followed by the 10 bell salute from Hannah and... Uh, sorry, for Hannah. And it was, it was, it was hard watching, I think, I think the segment lasted four minutes and it felt longer. It was it was awful. They had a picture of Hannah on the screen, obviously the entire of the roster lined up around the ring. Um, then after this, uh, Jungle Kiona made her way into the ring and basically said that she wasn't ready to return to in-ring action. She was due to wrestle on this show. She thought she would be able to wrestle on this show, but she just she couldn't do it. And I absolutely appreciate that i don't think any stardom fan in the world is looking at her and going no you need to wrestle you know everyone completely understands where she's coming from from that she promises that she will definitely be back and when she is back she will convey her feelings properly in the ring but for now she she just can't wrestle um she tells everyone to get ready and to enjoy stardom because the rest of the people will put on a fantastic show and she leaves, and the show starts. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on Jungle's announcement? Makes sense. I, again, as much as I'm going to miss her, she's my favourite in Stardom. Um, she, if she's not ready, I don't want her to force herself, because that's just going to end up being worse for everyone. Absolutely. Um, it would have surprised me if Jungle would have taken plot, taken part in this show. It surprised me slightly that Konami did, um, but Jungle, from what I believe is, or was Hannah's closest friend, so, you know, this is an incredibly hard time, a real period of change for Stardom and for Jungle, definitely. So, we kicked into our first match, which had Rina defeat Hina and Natsu Samir in 8 minutes and 55 seconds with the Hydrangea. First thing I just wanted to note here, Chris, is that we had new graphics. We did, but they're quite good. Normally when Sardin changes something, it takes a while for it to get up to snuff, but like these were good, these were fine. Into it. Yeah, absolutely. We had not only the the faction logo, but we had the name, obviously the Twitter handle, and then come the end of the match, we had it again with the time and the name of the move that they finished the match with, which is very, very helpful when you don't have English commentary. Um, commentary at all. Or commentary at all, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what did you think of this match then? Um, it was it was fine. It was your standard opener with uh, children. How old are Rina and Hina? Hang on, I don't actually know. 14. 13. 13 years old and yeah but like it's, it amazes me how like solid they are like for example Hina has a really good judo throw yes she does yeah you're right like, she does it surprised me a lot because you look at say what's it, the Brazilian girl who was in NXT um, Taya Conti or something yeah Tainori Conti yeah so like she wasn't a 
especially good wrestler, but like she did a few judo throws and people who fancied her were all, oh, um, you're great because you feel legit. And she didn't. She just did shit judo throws. So I was like, here, we're doing actual judo throws. Yeah, I thought both Rena and Hina looked great. I thought they highlighted Rena a lot more in this match. Um, yeah, well, it was basically Hannah's people. So, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and she. When she entered the ring, she had the tribute for Hannah, you know, the way that Hannah would enter the ring with her over the top of the ropes with the hands uh, hands outstretched, um, which I thought was a nice touch. And then we had something later on, which we'll get into. Natsu was just Natsu. Um, yeah. I, I didn't realise how much I missed. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think I'm ever going to get used to her sexy Bronco Buster. Um, what, what gets me is that she does it in matches with children. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just weird. Um, I thought not only did because I've noted that um, I'm taking notes about Hina's um, judo throws, but Rena had some really, really, really solid looking STOs, some really solid looking submissions, and then eventually managed to tap out Hina with the hydrangea, which of course was Hannah's submission move, which she locked in really, really well. looked looked amazing. They gave this match a lot of time, eight minutes and fifty-five seconds. Yeah, like, um, like that's really long for a um, kids' match, but they did well. Like, I'm not saying this match isn't going to blow you away. In fact, of all the matches on this card, it's probably the most skippable. I mean, but... I mean, I disagree, Chris, but we'll get into that in a minute. Oh, I have thoughts on that match, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, this was fine. Like, 5 out of 10, solid, but nothing especially sticks with your past for Hannah Tribute. No, re- really, really lovely Hannah Tribute. And obviously, at the end of the match, Rena got really upset, um, which, again, was heartbreaking to watch. But, yeah, a good, solid match. I gave it 4, but I'm willing to concede 5. That's absolutely fine. Then <laughs> we had Death Yamasan defeating Saki Kashima in 5 minutes 11 seconds with a crucifix pin. I'm going to let you go first, Chris, because um, I have thoughts. Right, so first of all, I I did enjoy this match. It, it was an enjoyable match, if not a good... This wasn't a good... Like, just Def Yam... I said it to you, Def Yam sounds a Pokemon with confusion. 100%. And 100%. I did like that the ref joined in. Do you know what, though? Do you know what? And I text this to you earlier on. The thing that really endeared this match to me was Saki Kashima, who's, you know, still quite new into her heel turn, having joined a Wida tie, that she just, she pissed herself throughout this entire match. She could not keep a straight face throughout this entire match. And it just, it made me laugh throughout it. Yeah, she was like, I, I was literally challenging for the title two shows ago, and now I'm here. <laughs> Um, I thought uh, both women looked like they were having fun, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, um, it's probably the best between Saki, just because when Saki's serious, she bores the fucking hell off of me. We and, always like say... it's the... go on, sorry. I always say it's the it's the Dolph Ziggler effect, where like she does her moves really well, but whatever she does between those moves, I'm just bored. Yeah, and I think putting putting her in the ring with um, someone who is. Very character, I say character driven. It, you know, you know what I mean. Um, such as Death Yamasan, it, it forces her to be slightly mm. out of a comfort zone. And I think both of us agree that we much prefer Kashima uh, Kashima as a heel than yeah. a run of the mill babyface in stars. 
she has like she has everything like that Bushi Road would want and someone we're gonna push. Like she has a good look. She like like she has some sort of charisma. Like people do like her. And like she has good moves, like she can she can put on a fairly exciting match. I think she'd do well in the high speed division actually, but I don't care. I find it so hard to care. I the best thing that I can compare her to in New Japan terms is Yoshihashi. Yeah, no, she's the Yoshihashi of except I'm trying to think. I don't know. I like I don't think Saki could pull a passable match out of a Toga Makabe or a um, Tanzan equivalent, which Hashi did for the other day on the cup. So, um, there was a couple of near falls. Um, it, it was basically all pandering to the crowd. Um, yeah. Saki managed to get the referee to join in with Death's bollocks, which was quite funny. Death, honestly, I, I don't like the character at all, but I cannot help but laugh. You know, when she's hanging through the ropes and she ends up shit beating out of her and she's emoting through her rock hands and you can tell how she feels because if she's sad, the rock hands are slow, but if she's happy, the rock hands are going. And and I hate it, but I can't stop laughing at it. And then we got Saki joining in with Death and, you know, every time Saki was shouting to the crowd, you got Death mocking her by just shouting the word Death after everything she said. Um... When we got into the actual moves, um, we had a dangerous fucking tiger driver attempt. wasn't wasn't great, was it? It it was very very botched. I was like, oh my god, we've killed Death Yamasa, but thankfully everything was okay. Um, Death, yeah, man- great. Say again. The ending was creative. I really liked that. I really like that. Death blocking a my emblem and then covering it for the crucifix pin for the win. Now, this is where I imagine we're going to differ, because what did you give this out of 10? Three. Okay, we're not going to disagree too much. I give it a two, and that might seem really, really low, especially as I quite enjoyed this match. But all of the wrestling took place either in the corners or at the ropes you know, trying to get the crowd involved, which is fine, you know, that has its place, but if we're judging it purely on the wrestling in ring, um, there wasn't a lot of it to start with, this match only lasted five minutes, there was that really botchy looking Tiger Driver, and that was basically it, I don't think we can really give it much higher, Chris. Yeah, no, it was a um, a bit of a shit match with a cool creative ending, so. Yeah, Um I'm I'm gonna put my foot down and give it two. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm gonna be that dickhead. You only ever seem to put your foot down when it's a negative rating, but when it's a positive. <laughs> rating... Yeah, I do. You're right. When it's a positive rating, I tend to concede just because I like being positive, Chris. Um, we then get our third match, a singles match, which saw Konami defeat Natsukatora by disqualification. In nine minutes and twenty-five seconds, Chris, opinion. I really enjoyed this match. Like the back and forth was better than I expected. Um, I'm starting to see Tora's worth now, where she's just sort of a bruiser, like Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe type. Um, yeah. I'm like, it's funny because like she's very clearly not all there in her head, and I think that sort of helps. Like she doesn't look like she wants to be there. 
No, she's very no-nonsense. She looks like she goes home and listens to the Pixies and cries. Hey, the Pixies are great. The Pixies are great, to be fair. Um, and it's weird, because we weren't popular at the time. Someone's like, we wrote this song, and been like, you're not going to like this, but your kids are going to fucking love this. Anyway, um, and then Konami's Konami. Like, it's, I love Konami, because she's very clearly can take actual, like, learning from, like, grappling arts and um, sheet fighting and incorporates it into um, her in-ring work. Like, she sets traps like an MMA fights with and stuff like that. And, like, she throws kicks like she's actually trying to hurt someone, and I think it's really good. Makes her dangerous. I wouldn't mind if she got a title shot. Actually, I didn't... I haven't minded in the past when she got a title shot. But also, did, did we have to hang her? <laughs> yeah, it was... Um... Like, it's it's a weird it's a weird time, man. It, it's gonna happen. I do like that though, because like they kind of, I want to say, sort of became a bit funny. Like you know, like Natsu and Session Moth and Gagetsu got a bit too cute for her own good, and then so like this also solidifies Natsukatora as I don't give a fuck. You're gonna die now. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's how I saw it, and I think that, I think that'll help a weird tie. I mean, they were a little bit light, um, obviously without being Jamie. But when they entered, they looked legit. They looked legit badasses. You know, even Saki. You know, they looked, they looked the business when they Na- stood on the ramp. Natsu had a fucking match in the beginning of the night where she was sexually assaulting children, and she looked like a badass. <laughs> um, Konami obviously entered, had a moment of silent prayer for Hannah, um, and then she seemed to be more aggressive in this match than I've seen are those kicks to Tora when Tora was wrapped up in the ropes they echoed they were fucking stiff as fuck yeah got a bit uncomfortable <laughs> it did a little bit um, we then got a ref bump um, Natsu put uh, Natsu Tora puts the chain on Konami and Frog splashed onto it I don't know how much Added pain that would give Konami. Surely that would just hurt Tora more. Um, but the ref refuses to count it because the ref because the chain's been used. And then we get the aforementioned hanging spot. Uh, <laughs> Chris, what did you give it? Um, high six, low seven. Okay, I gave it low. I gave it a high six because ultimately, you know, I think Tora benefited from the Cinderella tournament. Um, having that run through it, the legitimate heel, you know, that person that you have to beat, that dominant heel. Um, and here she carried that on. I think we are going to see a Tora title shot sooner rather than later, I imagine. Um, challenging Arisa at no people game. Yeah, but I imagine she is going to get a red belt title shot sooner rather than later is what I mean. Yeah, um, well... May is an actual baby face and Tora's an actual heel. So, do that. I think that'd be good. I think in sort of the same way as I'm trying to think of an example in New Japan, but like it's not going to be the best match, but like the fact that there's such a natural obstacle makes it compelling. Well, I've got an example in the in the main event of May working with someone who is not slow. That's that's unfair, but obviously a slower person uh, when she was working with my uh, maker in the main event, and Mayu is obviously considerably quicker, and there were some exchanges there that looked absolutely beautiful, so that that 
disparity between the two could well, work thing, very well. It, it definitely wouldn't be beautiful. I mean, like if Natsuka Toa, she just hung Konami, but. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I imagine it will be a better match than we anticipate, is what I mean. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I, we never really see her in the context of like a big title match. She's normally just being a bruiser. So. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got seagulls by you? I live on the coast, yeah. Sorry, my window's open. <laughs> I didn't know you lived on the coast. Um, sorry, I just heard the seagulls. Seagulls making a run in there. <laughs> um, so the semi-main <laughs> led to... A really, really interesting dynamic with a tag team match with the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Momo Watanabe drawing with the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani and Yutami Hayashishita um, drawing time limit draw 20 minutes. Chris, opinion? Um, first of all, Itami and Saya's new gear. In Saya's case, the new gear was definitely needed because what the fuck was her old gear? And it wasn't that. Um, the English version of the Stardom Twitter um, account posted all the unit pictures, mm-hmm. and it was. I don't think people knew that Saya was with Queen's Quest, and she'd just been superimposed on the Queen's Quest one. And you've got all quite the dark gear because obviously you've got um, Azumi wears black and blue. You've got Momo wears black, blue and white. You've got Utami who wears very dark colours. And then you've got Saya Kavatani who was wearing lime green yeah. and yellow and pink and hello, I'm here! And she was, <laughs> it just completely did not fit with Queen's Quest it's, at all. It's incredible because like, um, Saya's been with them for ages. She was like, she's... Um, it was back in No People Gate where we challenged um, like... Where she came out and challenged B and Jamie, um, which led to the best promo of the year. Where B she was like, um, "You're a loser," and teaming with some Gopai young girl isn't going to fucking change that. But yeah, no, it, like Saya now looks like she actually belongs in Queen's Quest. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And this uh, match went a long way to cementing that as well. Yeah. Also, Utami's new gear. I'm not quite sure how to f- feel about it because I like to roll gear. I think it's an upgrade. I, I'm not sure if it's an upgrade. I feel like it's more of a sidestep than an upgrade. Like, for example, it's like when Okada started wearing the trousers. <laughs> I don't think it caused that much outrage. I mean, no, but less people watch this. <laughs> You're putting less people watching it just because of the <laughs> gear, are you? Um, no, not just because of the gear. But, like, all I'm saying, have you seen Okada's gear? He's radiant. Right. Opinions on the match, then? Oh, this is great. Like, um, I loved Azumi bouncing off of Utami. Like, I'll always be here for that. Um, like, this started sort of like like, a, like the exhibition match you'd expect it to be, and then near the end, Momo and Utami especially were just destroying each other, and Azumi inside just basically existed to break up pins. It was like the dynamic between um, Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy versus Tenru and Koada match that we did on the Classic. Okay, yeah, I I agree with you on that. To be honest, this match, you'd got, going into it, you'd got three very, very established stars. And I know that Yutami's only been wrestling for two years, but she feels like a more established star. And (laughs) there was moments where Tall Saya, I felt, was maybe one or two steps behind. And that's not a negative on her, that's more a glowing indictment of... 
the other three people in the ring. I mean, the speed at which Momo and Azumi were working, Momo especially, she was on a different plane in this match. But I thought Saya held her own beautifully, and I thought this match elevated her as well, which I think might have been part of the main reason for this match. Um, she does need to work on her moonsault, which was a little bit lacking. But other than that, she had a great range of brutal-looking submissions. Yeah. Just, again, no no one looked bad in this match. Everyone was giving and um, taking for just the right amount. Um, I like the story of this match because, essentially, Saya came out to team with Utami right after Utami and Momo failed to get the tag belts. So Momo was a bit angry. So, like, this is basically Sire and Utami trying to make a case of they should be the tag team. Yeah. Um, so, I think if, into- if we were to have any combination of these four ladies as tag team challengers, and I think we are probably going to get a, a variation of this as tag team challengers very, very shortly, um, I'd be happy to see any. And that includes Sire as well, because I thought, despite the fact that, you know, She's not quite at the level of a Momo yet. Very, very few are. So, you know, she kept up well and there was there was good chemistry between them all as well. I thought the exchanges between Momo and Utami, oh my God, it just looked so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love, like, in terms of a tag team, I love the dynamic of the high flyer with the big bruiser. Which is what Saya and Utami are. Yeah, I agree. I thought Utami really, really powerful. It looks like she's put on quite a lot of muscle. So yeah. she looks like a wanna... real bruiser now. I think part of that is there's less of her attire. So like she looks bigger by comparison. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, that's, I literally think that's what it is because she doesn't seem to me to be much bigger than she was. Like when you look at like when you look at her next to Arisa back in February. Oh no, mm. yeah, but Arisa is quite small in comparison anyway. Well, yeah, but we had Azumi in this match, who's like three foot two. That well, yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, Momo's not that tall either, I don't think. No, but she's stocky. She's five one, is Momo. Yeah, but she's stocky, I think. She's not... She is stocky. Skinny. No, she's not. But also, oh my God, how hard was... I sometimes felt like Momo was trying to kill Yutami. There were moments where I think there was a particular exchange. It was about a quarter of the way into the match. And Momo was in the ring with Saya. And Saya had done something and she wasn't quite at the pace of Momo, and basically she was on her knees, and Momo slapped her in the face as though to go, if you're going to be in my fucking unit, you best step up. And then just the pace with which they had the next following exchange was great. And she was like that with Utami as well. There was one moment when Utami was sat in the corner, and Momo ran at her, and it was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Because she's just like, she is actually going to fucking kill her. It was. It did get really worrying. It did. Um, Saya managed to just break up a Peach Sunrise, um, which ultimately led to the match being called a time limit draw. Um, I loved this match. I loved the energy it was fought with. I loved the chemistry that all four women have. I loved the team of Azumi 
and Momo, and I thought Saya was the main beneficiary of this match. She really was elevated by being in the ring with these, and I look forward to seeing what she does later on. Um, what did you give this? I gave it an eight. Loved it. Yeah, same here. I thought I honestly thought it was great. Um, Is it Stardom Tag Match? Of the... No, 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 it's not, because no. the Jungle slash um, Momo versus Kagetsu and May, which is Probably my oh wait no the AEW probably my favorite Japanese tag match of oh Violent Giants it was a really good tag match <laughs> <laughs> just hearing the sort of the things in your head go down then was brilliant uh, yeah my favorite tag match my favorite Japanese tag match it was a good tag match <laughs> um we then get to the main event which was the stars team of Mayu Itani, Saya Ida, Starlight Kid and Tam Nakano being defeated by the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Micah, Siori and their new member Himika, the Jumbo Princess. Um, oh, she is massive. She is. It, it, I, mean, I mean, she did open with Saya Ida, which, you know, sort of emphasised that. But yeah, she is absolutely uh, enormous. Five foot seven, so she's. T- I'm pretty sure that's taller than Gaff. Well, I'm six one, so yeah, she's a. I'm she's not too far away from me. Um, he, he's about as tall as my brother, actually. She she, she looked enormous. She looked really, really imposing. Like, I mean, her nickname is the Jumbo Princess, which gives you some indication of just how big the girl is. But we don't have any like we don't have that monster heel like Julie is big, but in terms of like build, is more like a Kevin Nash type th- thing, and like people like Jumbo and Utami and Tora are like bruisers, but they're not like giants. No, not at all. And I think Himika brings something completely different to the Donna yeah. Del Mondo stable and to the Stardom roster. To be perfectly honest, like how it's really weird how versatile it is because like Donna Del Mondo is sort of like the Lij, where you have like the fan favorite leader, and then like a mismatch um, curated bunch. Like, if this table feels like Julia handpicked them, because in Storyline she did, but well, yeah, because all three of them are freelancers, and um, because Himika, yeah. she's wrestled from everywhere, from Pro Wrestling Wave to Ice Ribbon to Marvelous to Seedling to AGZ Act. I, I don't know how to say that promotion, but she's wrestled there. Um, <laughs> I've written it down. I can't read my own writing. Um, but she's wrestled everywhere, and obviously yeah. the two, um, Siori and Michael, were brought in um, earlier on, and they were both freelancers as well. So yeah, it does. It feels like she selected them. They fit very well. They have good chemistry here, especially considering it was Himika's first match. And yeah, I think she's got good things in store for her. I look forward to an inevitable match between her and Jamie Hater. Oh my god! That's yeah, gonna be nasty. <laughs> that is, and especially as she can actually challenge for the SWA championship. Yeah, like Donald Demondo actually has a lot. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what Siri um Siri does with um people. Like there was a tag match um at one of the last Corrigans before he went into lockdown, where her and Momo had an exchange, and they did like the Ishi Shibata thing where like they'd sit down and invite each other to kick their back. I must admit, of everyone on Donna Del Mondo's team, obviously I've already <laughs> said that Julia, you know, has grown on me. Siori is absolutely amazing. 
She is great. Apart, like your only problem with her seems to be that she's too loud. Well, actually, I've written in my notes that she wasn't too bad in this. Um, it seems that Julia was channeling her inner Siori because Julia was louder. Um, I thought Siori was okay uh, today. Didn't bother me today as much as it bothered me in the Cinderella tournament. So it really bothered you with Cinderella. We spent so much time on you going, she's so loud. <laughs> it, uh... was, yeah. it started to take away from how good she was doing in the ring because it was just like, shut up. Um, Mike, I like, I like sort of Mike's style. It's like closest thing is Konami, but like Konami goes more for like the likes, and um, Mike goes for Ambas, which makes sense because she does Ambas. But <laughs> she's in Takamichinoko's promotion. Two uh, AW. Um, just tap oh, just tap out. Um, I I don't know a lot about them outside stardom. I don't follow him. Um, um, I only really know about Indies. Just Tap Out because um, her and Utami had a match on Just Tap Out. Was it any good? It's fine. Fair enough. Um, we opened with Sayida and Himika, as we said, which was very very entertaining because Himika was very much the look how tall I am, look how small you are with Sayida. <laughs> Um, we had a test of strength, which obviously Saida couldn't reach, so she stamped on him because <laughs> I, love I love that. That's my favorite spot of the year. <laughs> it was uh, it was very entertaining. Um, the Starlight versus Siori exchange right at the very start. That pace, Starlight Kid has improved so much for me because right at the start of when we started doing this podcast, the issue that I had with Starlight Kid was that we seemed to she seemed to telegraph. Move. She was great, everything was crisp, but she seemed to telegraph what was coming next. It was very obvious. Whereas that seems to have gone completely now. She's quick, she's crisp. Everything seemed to go at 100 mile an hour. And yeah, that started with a match in the first round of the Cinderella tournament against Momo, which I raved about. I thought that was a really good match. Um, and here, again, with Shuri, just absolutely fantastic. I thought Starlight Head was a real standout in this match. Yeah, um... Her moonsault, her sounding moonsault is great. Oh, isn't it just? Best like before, in the business. Like before when she'd do it, I, it looked like she was going to land on her head, but like now if she gets the perfect rotation, it's great. Um, Saya Ida very occasionally turns into like a, a four foot 11 Walter. She's honestly, I've, I haven't seen a lot of Saya Ida apart from the fact that she's Captain Stardom. Um, spoilers. And um, Super Stardom Machine. And Super Stardom Machine. Again, spoilers. Um, but she's just, she's great. She's just a pocket rocket. I can see her being like just an Ishii, just, you know, yeah. a small squat, beat the shit out of you style wrestler. Be brilliant. She does She does scare me just a little bit. She scares me in the same way Tam Nakano scares me. Oh, Tam Nakano. Like, I, I've said this about a few people, but she is literally like if a Hello Kitty came to life and started beating the shit out of people. Yeah, and it's quite funny because if you follow Tam on Twitter, um, she seems to be quite a, you know, uh, not a reserve, but, you know, quiet, quite subtle person. And then she came into the ring today and her exchanges with Julia, oh my God, they were like full on. As soon as, like, as, soon as they came in, um, Julia grabs Tam's hair, Tam grabs Julia hair, and it's not forearming the shit out of each other. And then, like, it just ends with um, Tam just slapping Julia. It's like, stop that. Honestly, plug a Julia versus Tam feud into my veins. 
To be fair, I think that's where they're going because I think that's going to. I predicted this already, and we'll get on to major belts after this review. But um, I think that's where the white belt direction is heading. Well, we both said that, didn't we? We both we got there in different ways. I think I had a, I had some manner of tournament that led to a Tam versus Julia final, um, mm. and I think you got to. I think you just. I think you got to a um, Tam versus Julia match as well. Um, yeah. Basically, how I had it was, um, well, we still don't know what we're going to do for White Belt, but um, basically how I had it, Julia still has her wish. So her, since the title is vacant, she can wish for title onto her, which would be an excellent heel move. And then um, Tam will be first challenger. Um, Tam loses, so Tam, Tam is now in a situation where she's chasing it. So she goes into the five-star going, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win the five-star, win the white belt, and, um, go off to the white belt and do, like, the Goto Shibata thing. Yeah, okay. I think that could work. I think that could work. Um, just uh, genuinely everything there. There was one moment <laughs> where, and I think it might have been the first exchange, where Starlight Kid is on the floor, and Julia and Tam are having this argument between the ropes. And, obviously, Tam is on the outside, and Julie's on the inside, and they're having this this fight. They're punching each other, and all the while you forget that even though Tam's on the outside, Julie's on the inside, and she is standing on Starlight Kid the entire time. And it just it really made me laugh that she's having this full on fight with Julia through the ropes whilst using Starlight Kid as some kind of bench. She used funny. to do, in like tag um, Shinkawa tag matches with Arisha. She'd do that. She'd like slam Arisha onto people. It's, Honestly, this match, it really helped me really get on board with Julia. I didn't like the fact that she kept targeting the mask. I hate when people target the mask. Yeah, it's just like it's a bit overplayed, isn't it? It's an easy way to get heat, but like everyone does it. God, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like, it's well, like um, in New Japan, that it's um, it's a disqualification. If you take off someone's mask, because it means like you're only going to do it if you're an... so like only people like Kanemaru go for the mask. It's great. Mm, yeah, and it's it wasn't overplayed. I think it was only one spot, but I just I've never I've never liked it in whatever promotion I've looked at. I know it's you know the ultimate sign of heel because obviously in Lucha Libre it's you know the ultimate sign of betrayal to be have your mask taken off. But I just I hate it. I've always hated it. Um, quite a few. Um, tributes. Obviously, we had Julia doing the running in place big boots whilst yelling Hannah um, and hitting Tam Nakano with that, which I thought was really, really nice. Um, and then we had Tam Nakano hitting the 1399 off the top rope um, in tribute to Arissa as well, which I thought was really good. So we had tributes to both people uh, who are no longer with the promotion. Um, Mayu just seemed happy to be there. She wasn't in the match for too long, but when she was, she bounced around like a firework. I, th- I think that's just how most people de- describe May. She's like, oh, she's just, she, she's just fine being here. Honestly, she smiled the entire time. She was a house of fire. The biggest of big lucha arm drags on Micah, which looked amazing. It was just great. Um, it was. I, I was like, oh, this is new for Mayu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fuck. It it looked amazing. Looked really really good. Um, the match obviously wrapped up then with Himika um getting Saeeda to tap out with a torture rack. That was nasty. It looked really really brutal. She softened her up, picked her up, and um, she got like she... she got devil eyes, which was quite cool. 
She looks like she broke her in half. She did. Yeah, you're right. She did. Um, I really like her. I, I, I like the dynamic that you've got in Donna Del Mondo mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, and yeah, then... I think um, like <clears throat> your charismatic leader, your technician in Siri, your um, rookie in Micah, and your muscle in Himika. I'm interested to see what Himika is going to be like when she gets to the singles match. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Really good in these tag matches, really charismatic. But for me, as soon as she goes into a singles match with anyone remotely under her level, um, it just didn't work. So like, I'm curious what it's going to be like with Himika. I don't see her at the. She's she's two years experience. She's only been in the ring for two years. Well, so is and She's great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not using that as an excuse, and I, you know I don't think she's bad at all. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, she's. 23 years old, she's had two years wrestling experience, so she's very young. She's got a lot of time to grow as a wrestler. Um, I think, at the moment, I see her as not lower mid-card, but that that mid-card monster. Um, So, you know, you're looking at an SWA sort of sort of, that sort of realm, you know, that Jamie Hayter sort of realm. And then I think eventually she'll be pushed towards that white and red belt scene, but I don't think she's she's there yet. Yeah, but she has time. She'll probably, yeah, it's sad. Every time I'm a bit down on someone, unless they're sake, they're really good in the next year, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, they had to pull Tamna Cardano and Julia away from each other, so yeah, like we've said, it does appear that we are getting that feud, and I imagine that's where we're going to get for the white belt whenever new stardom dates are announced. Um, I gave this an 8. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I got, gave it an 8 as well. And, like, and I'm really not sure if it's just because we've missed stardom. No, I mean, it's a brand new show. Um, I mean, we gave one of them a 2, Chris. It's not like we've you know been over <laughs> the top. Um, I just think that the, the Queen's Quest match was a legitimately good wrestling match, wrestled at a fantastic pace between some really, really good wrestlers. The, you know, in my opinion, it was match of the night. I don't think you can argue that. I think anyone that watched it has said it Definitely. was a great match. It's top 10 style of matches of the year for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the main event, you know, though it probably wasn't on par with the semi-main in wrestling stakes, it set up stories, um, it got people over, there wasn't any dead space, even though it went 23 minutes, um, everything flowed very well, and there was good storyline advancement in it, and it reset a lot of things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can't see why we'd be overrating it. I think we've rated it Perfectly finally. Which okay. is, which is absolutely a word. My... Finally is a word. I've picked my two new stardom favourites since my old stardom favourites aren't here right now. Okay. Um, please so, go ahead. So it's Utami to replace the bruiser. Makes sense. Um, also, I'm going to throw in Def Yamasan just to annoy you. That does annoy me, right? Carry on. And then Tam, because... Yeah. yeah, it's a bit... I, do, I, do, I don't want to say May because, like, you pick May, and quite frankly, I think that's a basic bitch move. But <laughs> it's like saying, oh, my favourite's Okada. Fuck off. Wow. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> so, overall, Chris, if I was to ask you to give this show a rating out of 10, what would you give it? 
Well, two out of ten, ten's at the end. That's more than you get from a takeover nowadays. So, six or seven out of ten? Because there wasn't a ton of stakes here. No, I, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I think you're right, you can skip the first three matches, to be perfectly honest. You only need to watch the, the uh, semi-main and main event. Um, I think there is enough here storyline-wise to warrant a seven. I don't think there's anything that would drag it up to an eight. Um, Konami versus Tora is a good match, but nothing blow away. And then Death Yamasan versus Saki is funny, but if you're looking for <laughs> flat-out wrestling, that is not that is not the match you go to. <laughs> you're telling me that Death Yamasan couldn't um, shoot with the best of them? Well, it's funny you should mention that, actually, Chris, because we're going to go into something now, and I've got Death Yamasan ending with the red belt, so... Do, do you? No, absolutely fucking not. Of course not. Funny though, um, Death Yamasan has an 8 out of 10 rating on Cage Match. I imagine that was before the Death Yamasan gimmick, though. Well, okay, so you look at ratings by year. It's 6 out of 10 in 2013, but when it's 9 out of 10 in 2014, 8 out of 10 in 2015, 10 out of 10 in 2018... What the fuck was she doing in 2018? Well, she hasn't been Death Yamasan for that long, though, has she? No, she only became Death Yamasan last year. Well, there you go. It's prob- I imagine, unfortunately, this gimmick is probably going to drag her overall rating down, but there you go. Um, so She was doing a lot in 2018. Wow. Sorry, continue. No, it's all right. She was um, in Big Japan. Was she doing death matches? Sorry. <laughs> death Yamasan's been in death matches. Well, she's been in Big Japan. I don't know if it was death matches, but she's also been in FMW, who basically exclusively did death matches. Haven't so, we looked at this before, though? And she is deceptively old. Isn't she like 40? She's 39, yeah. Um, Russell One as well. She's been there. Kayentai. She's been a lot of places. Outrise Girls, Pure J. Literally everywhere. Oh, mate, she's, she's wrestled in New Japan. Really? Yeah, in 2002, she wrestled for New Japan. Wow. Um, Pro Wrestling Eve in Britain. So, Sunday Girls. DDT, she's wrestled everywhere. There you go. There you go. Who knew? Anyway, so on the 26th of June, the Stardom cast got tagged in something by at Shut Up Wilf, which was very, very simple. Picture the red belt and book the red belt to January 4th, 2021. Now, at the moment, as it stands, um, we're recording this on the 28th of June, there have been no further stardom dates announced. I hope that they are around the corner. Um, obviously, I know that with everything that's gone on, um, stardom is still in a period of great change. Um, we'll see as to whether new dates come out. But again, at the time of recording, nothing been announced here. Um, however, I've got quite a few um, ideas, but... Um, looking at the thread that Wilf put up, there is Ken, who is at Discrun Scholar, uh, if you want to go and follow him. He did a full seven-page rundown of what he would do, and it is, it's in detail. It's a really, really good rundown of how he would book it, and I actively encourage you to check it out. Um, Nag Driver did one as well. There's some really, really good booking ideas, um, there's some very talented stardom bookers in that thread, so please go and check that out at Shut Up Wilf. It's also in our thread as well. Um, but Chris, obviously, with that match, with that show we've just reviewed, only been six matches. I wanted to challenge you. Basically, 
me and Chris have come up with from here to January 4th, 2021 for the Red Belt. And we're both going to give you our rundowns and we'll see whose is better because we're nothing if not wildly, wildly competitive. So, Chris, only because whenever you go first, I tend to steal bits of your ideas. <laughs> so, I'm going to go first, if that's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sick of you stealing my fucking amazing booking decisions. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest, out of our uh, New Japan Cup booking, mine's just gone completely out of the fucking window, hasn't oh. it? So... <laughs> Suzuki's going to win. Suzuki's out. Suzuki out in the and first then, round. And then you have Ibushi facing Taichi. And let's be real, jo- um, John. Let's be real, Rob. Who the fuck um, is John? He's my, he's my, like, he's my friend. And I, I don't know why I said John. To be real, Rob, um, Taichi's going to beat that job of Ibushi and then take the Tag Team Championships off of the job and the old man just to make the old man cry before he dies. So Wow. Wow. There you go. Right, so um, nothing again date-wise has been announced, so I'm going to take some liberties here, so bear with me. So I'm just going to go from Corican to Corican. Um, I am going to change one of them, though, um, very, very quickly. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to stick with it. Right, so we start in July next year, uh, July next month, obviously, their Currican show, and Mayu defends against Natsukatora um, and defeats Natsukatora. Um, another defense for Mayu. We head into August, and Utami is the next challenger. Utami puts up a really, really big fight, takes Mayu to her absolute limit, but ultimately, Mayu wins, heading into the five star Grand Prix. In September. Now, this is where I might need to talk out loud as I'm booking it because I can't read my own notes. So, some things to note about the five star. In one block, you have got Mayu, Jungle, and Utami. And then in the other block, you have got Konami, Momo, Siori, and then filled out with all other members of the roster. So, Mayu takes defeats to Jungle Kiona and to Utami in her block, whilst the other block is won by Momo, who is only defeated by Konami. So we have our five-star final with red block winner Jungle Kiona and blue block winner Momo Watanabe. So that is the five-star heading into October. Um... The first thing I want to note is that a lot of people have got Jungle to win the five-star. I think that's great. I hope that does happen. However, I'm going to go a little bit more storyline-driven. So I'm going to have the final of the five-star, and I'm going to have Momo defeat Jungle. And again, it sort of plays into the storyline that Jungle and Momo have had going in, and it's just that one more nail in the coffin, so to speak, that Momo will always have that edge over Jungle Kiona. So we head into October and it is Momo Watanabe versus Mayu. And again, don't forget that Mayu has already defeated uh, Momo at the anniversary show. Momo, I should say, the only person she takes a defeat to, I don't can't remember if I said this, in her block is Konami. Momo defeats Mayu for the red belt in October. Um, 
We then have a couple of defences. Momo will beat Konami in November. She won't only beat Konami, but she will savage Konami as well. Really, really go above and beyond to hurt Konami. Really, really force through that. will do anything to win, to retain this belt that she now has. Um, next defence is then against Sayuri, um, who she will defeat again. We then get into January... And who should be challenging for that belt but Jungle. And Jungle, on the back of seeing her friend Konami beaten to within an inch of her life, the very thought of Momo having defeated her yet again off the back of their whole angle that we'll be covering in another podcast. Jungle wants one more shot at the red belt. Momo relents, gives her that one more shot at the red belt, basically claiming that you can do whatever you want. I'm always going to be the better wrestler. Uh, and then finally, after an absolutely hellacious match that would blow everyone away because it's Momo versus Jungle, and let's face it, everybody wants that match. Uh, Jungle wins the red belt, gaining redemption not only for the history in, you know, through all things Momo, Queen's Quest and Jungle Kiona, but also she establishes herself as a top star, firmly establishing herself as the fourth pillar of stardom. So, uh, Chris, what do you think? I really like that, mostly because Jungle wins and i'm always here for that but also um i've not i've done mine without jungle just because i'm just because we don't know when jungle's going to be ready yeah i mean i've i've have taken liberties with that obviously i've left her out of jungle oh sorry i've left her out of july and august i hope that she will be back in september assuming the five-star grand prix is going to be in september again it's until we know dates, Chris, until we know what is where and things like that, exactly. all of it's, it's speculation. But um, I'm just running off the assumption of um, Jungle's not going to be ready for the five-star and we're not going to have Gaijins for the rest of the year. Yeah, I've I've assumed that we are not going to have Gaijins for the rest of the year either. I've assumed that we won't see B and we won't see Jamie. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, for me, starting next month in... July. I think you need to go with someone from Donna Del Mondo since they picked up a win against Mayu's team. That sorry, just quickly, I, I know I shouldn't have interrupted. That's exactly what I was changing. <laughs> I was gonna move everything one up and I was gonna have Siori in July and have Natsuka in August and then have Yutami beat Mayu in the five star, but yeah, carry on. Right, so um Tam very clearly um has beef with Julia, so Julia's not getting the shot. So, since this is essentially a bit of a fuller defense, I think it would be a great showcase for Yuri, who hasn't really had a chance to have that big, long, well, not long, but like a match longer than 10 minutes, a singles match. So, I think that would be a great place to have it. And then, Rob, you know who turns up after that match? Comes out to challenge May. <laughs> if you say Death Yamasan, no. I swear to um, God. It's Takumi Ehara, uh, um, who beat May. Early oh, in the year. from Marvelous. In the yes, he beat Mayo early in the year, and after the match, Mayo says, um, you were absolutely free to challenge for this belt. So she comes out with her Marvelous flag and challenges Mayo for the belt. Because Mayo needs to get a win back. Interesting. Okay. 
so that is set up for next month's Corrigan, where they have a rematch from there. It's my starter match of the year. Rob still hasn't fucking watched it. And um, May will win. Barely. This will play going forward. Now, um, going in into September and Five Star, this is where it gets a bit weird for me because um, I am saying only one person's going to beat May, and that's Julia. So, just to clarify, you think that Tam will take the white belt and Julia will then be free to charge for the red belt? Ah, see, not quite. So, what's going to happen? Julia, with the white belt, she's going to be the only person to defeat Mayu, go defeated, undefeated for the rest of her block, um, draws, keep Mayu out of the finals, and the finals is Tam versus Julia. Ooh, okay. Tam beats Julia. So, not only is she... Um, setting herself up for a championship match whenever she wants. She's also beating the person she wants to challenge. Now, she's not going to challenge for a couple of months because Julia, who uh, is the only person who beat the champion in the five-star, is going to challenge May and say, I want to take both belts. Okay. So, Julia wins that match. Okay. Um, because I want to establish Julia as a piece of shit heel. It makes sense for Julia to take the red belt at some point, probably sooner or yeah, later. So, so she'll be the first person since I believe May. It would be either May or Kyrie, I think, May. holding both belts. May is the only person to have done it. Okay, so it would be the first person since May to do it. Her white belt is on the line; she didn't have anything to lose. And so Tam comes out and challenges for the white belt. She wants that for Arissa, takes that offer, and now Julie's the champion. But the white belt defense doesn't happen on a Kurokin; it happens in Osaka. Okay. Okay, so um that'd be us on um October there. So in the Vem defense. Um on the um on the undercard, um Mayu and Ihara have their last match, which Mayu wins more, a bit more handily. Okay. Um with the running D, which is um Ihara's move, which Mayu was gonna trying to use on her in the match before, so Mayu wins. Um, just to keep her stock going, and in the upper card, um, Konami gets a shot. Makes sense. Yeah, so going into December, I'm going to assume, but um, assuming she's ready, and I think she might be, Jungle comes back. And but so Jungle comes back, and on the Mayu has her rematch on that main event, but on the undercard, um, Momo and um, not Momo, Momo and Jungle are the last people in a battle royal to decide the number one contendership at um, January fourth at the Dome. Because I assume that's why she said January fourth. Okay. So. Um, the jungle finally overcomes Momo in this battle royal. It's still in the back of everyone's mind that Momo can't beat. Um, that Momo is still better, but jungle has beaten her. So going into the dome, it's Julia versus jungle. Because you don't, they don't need to worry about drawing. And that's A, putting a good foot forward is probably the best match from the five star. Well, from five star, from the um, Cinderella. And B is a nice bit of symmetry because Julia was Hannah's partner 
at the Dome last year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That's lovely. Either way, Jungle wins. So if we both got Jungle to win it, ultimately. Yeah, because Jungle's great. And my I'm not going to lie, most of my booking um, was based around me wanting two more uh, May versus the horror matches. I'd be totally down for that. I'm not going to lie. So, well, you need you first one before saying. I will. I will. Don't worry. So, just to clarify, <laughs> then, Julia, you have got taking the white belt. Um, um, Julia took Julia took the white belt, but then Tam beat her for the white belt. Okay, so I'm going to go with Julia to take the white belt as well. That's why she doesn't figure too much into what into my plans. Um, mm. I think there will be an entire arc where Julia is basically completely unbeatable. Um. Tam will eventually take the white belt offer and then Julia will ascend to the red belt and will take the red belt and again be very, very dominant. Um, I think we are going to see Siori as sort of, for lack of a better phrase, that Sonata who is capable of challenging at the main event and the white belt level. I don't think Mike is there yet, but I imagine that's only a matter of time. Um, what do you... So let's say for a moment that B and Jamie... You know, don't figure for the rest of the year because of travel restrictions, mm-hmm. um, which of course means no session Marth, no Zoe Lucas, no Bobby Taylor. You know, none of the fringe members of uh, factions. Obviously, that means that we are very, very limited in a goddesses of stardom tag league, and presumably, what will happen is the towels will be held vacant, and the belts will be the prize at the end of the goddesses of stardom tag league. That's what I would assume. <laughs> I think it might be a case of only one block this year. I agree, unless, unless they do unless they do freelancers. Yeah, um, but to be fair, there's an even amount in each faction apart from stars. I believe oh TCS TCS um, jungle might be bad, but yeah, um, I th- I reckon um, either Konami and Jungle win that if Jungle's ready or um, Donna Del Mondo. Because I think it would be nice to have all the belts on this faction you're trying to establish. Because you look like early in the year and stars held everything. So I'm going to disagree with you because I've got a little story going through. And so in my story, obviously, in December, Momo is the red belt holder. Um, she still entered into the um, Goddess of Stardom Tag League, but she teams with Tall Sire. Um, huh? The final. Um, Utami and Azumi beat Momo and Tall Sire. Utami and Azumi then beat um, I can't remember who else I had in the final. Oh, um, Siori and Micah in the final of the Tag League to become the new Tag Champions. Utami having pinned Momo there's a little seed there over who is the, the leader of Queen's Quest, and I think that's a story you can take going forward. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. God, we're good at this, Chris. God, yeah. we're good at this. <laughs> I that. Why haven't they hired us yet? Yeah, God. Um, so those are our stories going forward up until the fourth of January, twenty twenty-one. Please comment in Twitter on who you think has booked it the best. I honestly think we've both done quite well with that. I'm not going to lie. I think if either of those come true, then I'd be relatively happy, Chris. Yeah, um, like I won't be happy, but like I would be enjoying the wrestling product. So. Absolutely. 
So let's stop it there then, guys. Um, obviously, at the moment, as I've already stated a couple of times, we don't know when the next Stardom shows are going to be. So we're going to hold off announcing what our next uh, show will be. Fingers crossed the matches that we were missing to complete our Jungle versus uh, Momo and Queen's Quest show will be up by then. So if, the, if we don't have any live Stardom shows, that will be our backup to release in July. If, again, fingers crossed, all the matches are released on Stardom World. In the meantime, uh, you can talk to us on Twitter. It's at the Stardom Cast. Uh, you can join our Facebook group at Podmania Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whether that's Podbean, Spotify, wherever. We are literally everywhere. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Chris, where can they find you? I have a new handle and I have to go on it one second. <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah, because you can. Um, Chris loves Pura. There you go. So please go and check that out as well. Uh, don't forget to go and check out that thread on Twitter. It is under Shut Up Wilf. It's a really, really interesting thread. Again, some really, really good booking ideas. Have a look and tell us how we fared in relation to that. Uh, until next time, guys, we'll talk to you again soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.